0: It was a long time ago, but it was the center of the ages. God speaks to a young girl, and by the word that he speaks, he brings a savior to the world. And now the hope of all humanity lies in her arms. It is a story that is familiar even to the casual observer during this time of the year. What we often refer to as the nativity, the birth of Jesus, uh, a very uh, rustic setting, a stable as it is often portrayed. We have at the center of, uh, or at the beginning of this story, we have a young girl, probably somewhere around 14, 15, 16, probably not more than 17 years of age, who God comes to and tells her that she will be the one who he within her will conceive the very son of God, the promise of generations. She is betrothed. She is engaged to a man uh, probably uh, at least five years her senior, but probably still a young man. He is, uh, by the text of history, he is a good man. He is anticipating uh, their life together as any young, engaged man would, uh, would expect. He is called to his home city, the city of Bethlehem, where he is to participate uh, by way of census. There's all every reason to believe that by now, uh, that she is uh, in fact uh, married to Joseph, and that they are together. Is this not? This isn't working. Well, I'm going to to over then.
1: Thank you for coming. We're
0: glad you're here this morning. <laughs> it's hard enough to get through it one time, much less second, but let's just pretend like all of that was first service. And for those of you who are uh, here at first service, thank you for coming. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Welcome to all of you who are here at second service. Again, the story is a familiar one, of story of a young woman named Mary her betrothed but by the time the nativity setting arrives they are married they have come to the city of Bethlehem to participate in a uh, Roman census as was required by Caesar when they arrive there there is not room for them uh, history often records that they were found in a, or found room or found a place to stay in a stable though there are some historical tellings of the text that might indicate something different but definitely not the Hilton. They have not arrived at some hospital uh, just in time, but the time for Mary's delivery has come. And so here is a young woman, 15 or 16, her young husband, and uh, she is going to give birth. The birth comes to us uh, by way of a a long-term announcement. There is an announcement that comes regarding Uh, the arrival of jesus in which an angel appears to this young woman and he begins to announce to her what was coming listen to how a physician of the first century in a document that we refer to as the gospel of luke he records the incident as he has interviewed and investigated the angel said to her do not be afraid mary for you have found favor with god and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever, and the kingdom there will be no end. I don't know if we grasp the significance of that particular statement I mean everybody's excited about the announcement of a new baby now I have five children I will tell you when number five was realized there was a moment of pause <laughs> Tammy and I went to the ends of the house promising never to come together again <laughs> but I remember on that morning it was about five thirty or 6 o'clock in the morning Tammy had taken an at-home pregnancy test and she barely got it out of the wrapper when it triggered positive. (laughs) And she came in and there were streams of tears coming down from her face basically to say, how can I have another baby? And I was thinking, this should be old hat to you by now. But very quickly, those tears of I wasn't ready for this Turn to the tears of joy in anticipation. I mean, we all celebrate the arrival of a child. Even mothers who are struggling with the number of children they have, or perhaps there are concerns by the physicians regarding the overall health, there is a celebration about the arrival of this new child. I mean, there's those... uh, visits to the doctor as you measure the progress of the child as it grows perhaps it is that there it is divulged as uh, whether it is going to be a little boy or a little girl or as is the case sometimes it looks like it's going to be a big boy or a big girl then there's those uh, what's become popular now the gender rele- uh, re- reveal parties they are becoming more and more extravagant all the time Uh, This, uh, I think they're just trying to catch up to having an angel speak to you and say, you're going to have a child and his name will be Jesus. There's telling all of the friends, all of the families, there's that glow even around a father's eyes that say, we're going to have a baby. And the tear in the wife's eyes that say, I'm going to have it. You're just going to pay for it, Okay. That's an exciting time, but I want you to think in context of what this story was like for Mary. Mary is a young woman. History tells us, and Mary verifies by her own testimony, that she was a virgin. There was not a biological way in which Mary could be pregnant. And yet, in a few short months, whether she wants to tell it or not, biology is going to tell everyone around her that she is expecting. I had a long conversation once with a mother who, uh, because of a, of a wild lifestyle, ended up being pregnant before she was married. And she shared with me what it was like to uh, to know that and to share it only with a couple of people close and then eventually realizing that she was going to have to tell her friends, and tell her church, and tell her family, and to tell her parents what had happened. Within that was certainly a degree of, I guess one might say, disgrace of a behavior that wasn't appropriate that had resulted in this, but even in the celebration of a new life that was coming to existence, that was really tough. There's a Christmas song that sung, Mary, Do You Know? I don't know what all Mary knew, but I know that Mary knew this, that she hadn't done anything immoral. That she had never been with a man. That there was no way that by a physical means she could become pregnant, and yet she was, and you know, the view of people as they looked upon her. Right. Sure, of course not. It just happened by magic. She'd have to find all of those difficulties that come in telling her young husband to be that she was expecting. Depicted so well in our uh, walk-through nativity every year are the expressions of, uh, of perhaps confusion and anger, anger and prayerful wonderment and I just want to run from away from here is this discomfort of joy when Mary has to tell Joseph that she is pregnant can you imagine the difficulty Matthew records now the birth of Jesus took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together that sexually as husband and wife Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. That was God's promise. And her husband, Joseph, being a just or good man and unwilling to put her to the shame, was simply going to divorce her quietly. Now, God's angel will appear to Joseph and say, Do not put her away. She has not been involved in immorality. This is the power of God working in her. But for a moment... There was that lump in her throat and the lump in his throat as well that said, I'm pregnant. How can this possibly be? But the discomfort of Mary was that which would be the the discomfort that goes along with any woman who is expecting a child. We always have that nice scene of the clean delivery room as Mary lies there with the sheep and the cattle and the hay and the dung and the dirt. No doula present, no mother holding her hand. We find no gathering of friends, as is often the case with my family when somebody's delivering. I mean, there's a reason why this thing is called labor, right? It is anything but comfortable. We can hear as uh, those days that lead up to it, a journey of some 90 miles that Mary would have taken with her husband, possibly riding on donkey, possibly simply walking. Those 90 miles, a journey might have taken as long as a week. I recently commented to one of our expected mothers how good she looked this close to her delivery. I said, I noticed that Women often, as they are expecting, begin to take more and more care of their baby and less and less care of their own personal uh, appearance. They're tired, they're worn out because every day is a struggle. Every day, though it is full of joy, has a, de- has a degree of discomfort in all of it. It may be simply God's way to say, you know what, I'm just going to stay unattractive, and maybe you'll stay back for a while, Right? But all of those things that were discomfort were the things that led to our joy. The Christmas song says tidings of comfort and joy, and yet sometimes we overlook the discomfort that was associated with the joy of Jesus that came through Mary on that night. And so I began to think in terms of not putting a damper on the season, but recognize the consequence Of the comfort and joy that you and I experience. That the world recognizes that many sing about. That it did not come as an easy thing. As we begin to move forward, we think uh, maybe some uh, 30 years in advance of this occasion. Again, we have at the centerpiece of this story though it is at the end of his human life, is Jesus. The child is now a man. That child that we saw sitting there, laying there as ultimately dependent, has now taken his place in the fullness of God's plan. He has been uh, wrongly arrested. He has been uh, illegally tried. He has been cruelly tortured. And now he is hanging but a few feet off of the ground as the onlookers come and are paraded by. In the scene, we see everything that seems to be the antithesis of that comfort and joy scene of a celebratory Joseph, Mary, and a world. And what we find is that Mary, who once has held him in her arms has walked with him through his public ministry and has now uh, seen him not anymore only as her son, but now recognizes him as her Lord. And yet it is hard, even by the stretch of any imagination, to imagine that she would now be at the foot of that cross and that she would not see the face of her child. She would not have echoes of the time when he was scared in the night and would come to her bed. Or the times that she he would uh, uh, fall down and be hurt and come to her for her care. Or the time that perhaps she exercised her motherly responsibility in giving guidance and comfort as he was growing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And though now his face, marred by not only age, but marred by those who have spat upon it and those who have struck it, and the errant lash that went from around his back to around his face, where a crown of thorns had been pressed down on, that she did not look into that face and see her son. The comfort and joy that we enjoy did not come simply with discomfort, it came with agony. It is John who records the scene for us. John gives legal testimony in what we call the Gospel of John, a book that has uh, gone under great scrutiny for its authenticity and it has been found as sufficient and so we believe as with any historical document that meets that challenge and endures it to be an accurate representation john writes and so they took jesus and went out and bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull which in aramaic aramaic is called galgotha they crucified him and with him two others on either side jesus between them and just a few verses later but standing by the cross of jesus were his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary, the one from Magdala or Magdalene. Kind of quite a contrast of scenes. The truth is that the joy that we enjoy came with great agony, and not just the discomfort and agony of Mary, but the discomfort and agony of the one who was least deserving of any wrong. As innocent as Mary was, she knew that she had in her life things that were not consistent with being perfect. And even though God had recognized her as one who was honorable in his sight and that he would bestow this gift to the world through her, there was no pretense that she was without any sin or fault. But the one who hung on the cross was. The one who was reviled was completely innocent. Can you imagine the agony? Can you imagine the pain? Can you imagine the suffering and the sorrow? Not simply because of the physical assault on the body, but because of the fact that Jesus was 100% innocent. And was he was suffering the persecution and the punishment of one who was guilty. I think there's an interesting contrast. I think of the screams, if you will, of a mother as she produces a child biologically. As that child is born and she with great agony and great physical distress expels that child into the world. And now I think of similar cries, not just a casual weeping, but the tears of a mother who is watching her son die. It is one religious writer that put it as he sought to describe the scene, at least with a little more uh, elaboration. He writes, speaking of Mary, a courageous woman Ascended the summit of Golgotha, and therefore Mary, most holy, was standing with head raised at the foot of the cross. While she heard the blasphemies of the soldiers, the ugly jokes of the Pharisees, the insults of the priests standing, and with her eyes turned to her divine Son, she felt her courage redoubling. Even in the fullness of sorrows standing, she remained in emotion as an emotion as a motionless onlooker, a woman meditating, suffering, and hoping. Hoping because of what she knew, and that was that this one, whom once was baby Jesus, was now the savior Jesus, who would remedy man's sin problem once and forever. By his wounds, we are healed. And Mary knew from all that she had been told and all that she had been taught that this must happen. Listen, that we might receive joy. I doubt if we would measure her, her tears and her crying on that day as a celebration of joy, but it truly was. It was a celebration that this is going to be what God had always done plan. But it came with much agony. I share this this morning because I can all but guarantee that there's someone here this morning that does not find this year or this season filled with comfort and joy. Perhaps it is difficulties in uh, your relationships, difficulties in your physical health, uh, difficulties in your finances or in your jobs, the day-to-day grind of life that wears upon us and found you at times in in beyond discomfort, but in agony yourself. Not knowing what to do next, not knowing where to go for answers, not not knowing what is even needed for help. And it is here that I ought to offer you a measure of hope. And that is that Joy is not the absence of discomfort, it is the presence of Jesus Christ. That Mary, in her suffering, could experience full joy because her joy did not rely on the external circumstances, physical comforts, uh, wealth. And prosperity and position and power the only thing that Mary needed the only thing that you and I need for joy is Jesus and that is not some trite Christian rationalization about the things of this life and how to get through them it is a fact that is demonstrated in the pages of history and it has been seen throughout mankind that those that truly have Jesus live in joy no matter their circumstances. And so, the offer that not I make, but the offer that God makes is that real joy is found in knowing Jesus. Not knowing the facts, we've considered the facts and they are dramatic and at times they are even compelling. But to have a true relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship that is established by no, more than knowing just the facts about Jesus, but having a personal relationship secured by the blood of Jesus, accessed by our willingness to turn over and trust our life to him, no matter the external circumstances that we recognize and realize that an obedience to Him is His way to guide us in joy through all of the discomforts and agonies that we have. And so it is not by habit, it is not just by rote practice that David, who normally stands in this spot, offers a challenge, a challenge to become a true, real follower of Jesus because he knows that that is the only hope. I know that that is the only hope and many of you who are here know that the only hope for the difficulties of this life is a relationship with Jesus. And so an opportunity is often extended for you to make a choice. A choice that says, I am ready to live in joy in spite of my circumstances. And through those circumstances, find a way eventually to a life that is without without those problems and the ultimate joy that only Jesus can provide. And so, if you will, this is God's, uh, it's his Christmas card to you. His name is Jesus. And he invites you to step from the shadows of your fears and your faults, And your sorrows and your sufferings to experience real comfort and joy and as a body of Jesus followers here if there's a way that we can help you this morning maybe it is that it's time for you to make a decision in your life regarding a transition point from apart to together with Jesus to be immersed in water in an act that we call baptism, but a place in which you come in contact with the blood of Jesus. Maybe it is that you've taken that step in the past, but have returned back to the wall or of all the problems and agonies and forgot that those things are the things that hold you down when Jesus wants to lift you up. If today you simply need the prayer of this body of believers, you can write to our shepherds at elders at MCOC. Or you can simply step forward. We're going to have one of our shepherds lead a prayer in just a little bit. And he'd be more than happy to include you in that prayer. And so would all of us in our regular and daily prayers. The real joy comes from knowing Jesus. And I pray that you do. And if you don't, that you'll come to know him. It is joyous. Let's encourage one another. If there's any way we can help you, you can simply come forward So we stand together and Craig leads us.